Hello, readers and listeners. This is Karen Hunt, a.k.a. K.H. Majek, with a new essay. Very excited and happy about that. I have a little bit of a raspy throat today, so I know my readings are never perfect, but it's just me reading it like, you know, like a normal person. So I hope that's okay with everyone. All right. This essay is called Once Upon a Fomite. How the Masters of Lies Convinced Billions of People to Follow the Most Ridiculous Rituals. It all started with fomites, nasty little buggers that we cannot see, don't want to see, don't want to think about. Yuck. Sorry, but let's take a closer look. It seems like a hundred years ago, so much has happened since, but none of us will ever forget how back in January of 2020, COVID-19 first burst into our consciousness. Seemingly from one day to the next, COVID was all around us, emblazoned in large letters and repeated over and over in the media. It changed our world in ways we could never have imagined. Nothing will ever go back to normal. For a while, we thought maybe it would, but no. Within the space of that first dizzying month, all that we believed to be solid and true crumbled to dust. Out of the rubble arose experts who helped us navigate the deadly world that had become our new reality. We hung on these experts' every word. They told us scary stories, and we listened, just like children hearing Halloween tales at bedtime. You better behave, or else. Definitions for words and phrases that we thought were set in stone suddenly changed, vanished. New words popped up out of nowhere. If you don't have an old dictionary, and I've said this before, buy one, so you can remember what words like vaccine and immunization once meant. Some words, such as woman, became indefinable. Perhaps within the next 50 years or so, actual women won't exist, and the word and its meaning will have been stricken from our memories. Just out of curiosity, I googled transgender images. All that came up were men as women, image after image of men parading as women, not a single image of women as men. What does this tell you? that women are being disappeared right now, billions of dollars are being poured into this new narrative about one word, transgenderism. The masters of lies are busy rewriting history, manipulating the present and creating the future. Words that once weren't taken seriously are now repeated over and over across all media, both mainstream and alternative. It has become necessary to pick sides based on these words, proclaiming our allegiance to one side or the other. Transhumanism, New World Order, World Economic Forum, Domestic Terrorism, Critical Race Theory, Mass Psychosis, Anti-Science, Trust the Science, Oligarchs, Kiev, not Kiev, Metaverse, Gain-of-Function Research, CRISPR Research, mRNA Technology, Gene Therapy, Transgender, pansexual, anti-science, anti-vaxxer, misinformation. Whereas once it was weapons of mass destruction, it is now so much more. Bioweapons, 5G, cyber attacks, nuclear war, famine, pandemics. Processing all these words has been a mind-blowing experience. No wonder most people gave up and relied on the experts. So what about this word fomite? If it's so important, why didn't we hear more about it? Why wasn't it all over the media? Because nobody, least of all our most auspicious, world-renowned, pompous, lord-of-all-things-scientific expert Dr. Anthony Fauci, 
wanted us to register this word in our minds. If we did, we might remember another time when fomites were used to justify certain procedures similar to what we experienced throughout the COVID hysteria. It was during the yellow fever scourge of the late 1800s and early 1900s that fear of fomites was rampant. Fomites, so they said, were the major cause of spreading yellow fever and thus inhibiting the construction of the Panama Canal. The French had already admitted defeat and handed the contract for the canal over to the United States with good riddance. While other diseases might be more common, yellow fever spread rapidly and could kill up to 20% of a city's population in a matter of months. By the time the United States took over construction, 20,000 workers had died trying to build the canal. In 1900, U.S. Army Medical Corps Major Dr. William Gorgas conducted a massive sanitation effort to rid Havana of yellow fever. It was based off of the idea that yellow fever was a filth disease, and if you just cleaned everything obsessively, you could avoid it. The sanitation did no good, but that didn't change the dogma. Sanitation of objects and of oneself is understood to be vital to good health. We all take showers, wash our clothes, our dirty dishes, clean our houses. Well, most of us do to varying degrees. But we don't really think about how cleansing rituals are so much a part of our lives beyond what is practical. Ritual washings belong in most cultures and religions, even if they make no logical sense. Hindus bathe in the Ganges River to wash off the sins of their forefathers. Muslims must wash before they pray five times a day. Believers of Haiti's most celebrated patron saint, Our Lady of Mount Carmel, travel to the Sodo waterfall and wash in the waters there. The more you express your piousness through these rituals, the less likely you are to be dirty with sin. Likewise, the more money you have, the cleaner you are likely to be. The children of wealthy of the wealthy wear designer clothes and aren't likely to go barefoot the way kids in African villages do. Fomites as a vector of disease make sense. Clean everything and you will get rid of the germs. Yet it didn't solve the yellow fever problem. <clears throat> By 1881, while what would have amounted to millions of dollars today was being spent on this endeavor, an insignificant Cuban physician by the name of Carlos Finley argued that yellow fever was spread by mosquitoes. For daring to go against the accepted narrative, does that sound familiar? Finley was called a crank and a crazy old man. Of course, it was the experts in their ivory towers who benefited from maintaining the status quo. They didn't appreciate some upstart doctor trying to ruin their lucrative contracts. Just like the brave doctors who spoke out against the disastrous rules implemented to combat COVID, Finley worked in the field and knew from personal experience the truth of the situation. He remarked in 1881, I understand too well that nothing less than an absolutely incontrovertible demonstration will be required before the generality of my colleagues accept a theory so entirely at variance with the ideas which have until now prevailed about yellow fever. Nineteen years later, Walter Reed, Dr. Walter Reed, was determined to conduct experiments on mosquito transmission to prove Finley's theories, but he received no support from Washington, D.C. or the Army. It was only after a U.S. public health campaign in Cuba based on the fomite theory failed to control the spread of yellow fever that Reed and the U.S. Army Yellow Fever Commission would finally provide the incontrovertible demonstration that Finley knew was needed to prove his theory. Dr. Walter Reed could at last declare Finley's reputation vindicated. 
A little careful testing of this theory of fomites has knocked it to smithereens, he said. It's interesting to note that while most Cubans, for example, contracted yellow fever as children and survived the disease with lifelong immunity, adult foreigners in Cuba succumbed to the disease in great numbers. The natives of the areas lived in natural harmony, though not without pain and discomfort, with the mosquitoes. This would have gone on forever if foreigners hadn't wanted to exploit the area for their own purposes and thus changing the delicate balance of the ecosystem. Certainly, many such changes have made life better across the globe. On the other hand, often what seems to change, be a good change one day turns into a nightmare the next. In our eagerness to solve immediate problems and make a profit while we're at it, we are not very good at predicting long-term consequences. Malaria in Africa is caused by mosquitoes too, but it has never been eradicated, no matter how much money has been thrown at it. Why not? Because there is no profit. There is no Panama Canal to be built. Rather, Africa has proved to be a perfect testing ground for drugs that are then sold to wealthier countries for billions in profit. Despite support from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, with the distribution of millions of insecticide-impregnated bed nets, new drugs, and a vaccine, Malaria still plagues the continent. In 2019, Africa was home to 94% of malaria cases and deaths, while funding for malaria control and elimination reached an estimated $12 billion per year. Those receiving all that money were trying to find a cure, and they regularly wringed their hands in despair at how elusive success seemed to be. Elusive for the obvious reason that it is in research, not in eradication, that the profits are to be made. This is evidenced by the WHO's own annual publication, the World Malaria Report, regularly admitting failure while begging for more money to do the exact same thing until 2030. According to WHO's latest World Malaria Report, there were an estimated 241 million malaria cases and 627,000 malaria deaths worldwide in 2020. This represents about 14 million more cases in 2020 compared to 2019 and 69,000 more deaths. Over and over again, they opine the tragedy of malaria using words such as stalled, off course, Increase of 5 million cases, pesticide-resistant, worrying trend, reducing malaria cases and deaths will not be attained, and so on. They fly to exclusive resorts on private planes and hold conferences to discuss new theories and award each other with prizes for trying so nobly to do so. Now that we know how they have exploited COVID for profit, we can see the big picture and how funding to eradicate malaria is directed and controlled by a small group that favors incomplete results. Nobel Prize malaria recipient researcher Sir Ronald Ross warned against this as research of little value enriching only certain organizations and chemical-based industries outside of Africa. How did we get on this lying, greedy path that benefits the elite at the expense of everyone else? Well, it wasn't always like this. From 1901 to 1940, the strategy in Africa was to identify the culprit mosquitoes and to eradicate them by locating and destroying their breeding habitats. This was in line with what Reed did in Cuba. But this approach was abandoned by modern medicine. 
Modern medicine was most notably propelled forward by John D. Rockefeller, who lived 1839 to 1937, and who was widely considered the wealthiest American of all time and the richest person in modern history. From How Rockefeller Created the Business of Western Medicine, I quote, Rockefeller saw the chance to control and monopolize multiple industries at once, petroleum, chemical, and medical. And of course, petrochemicals were ideal from a business perspective because they could be patented, owned, and sold for high profits. But there was a big problem with Rockefeller's plan. Natural and herbal medicines were very popular in America during the early 1900s. Almost one half the medical colleagues and doctors in America were practicing holistic medicine, using extensive knowledge from Europe and Native American traditions. To eliminate the competition, Rockefeller hired a contractor named Abraham Flexner to submit a report to Congress in 1910. This report concluded that there were too many doctors and medical schools in America and that all the natural healing modalities which had existed for hundreds of years were unscientific quackery. The report called for the standardization of medical education, whereby only the AMA would be allowed to grant medical school licensure in the U.S. End of quote. Thanks to Rockefeller, medicine, and subsequently, the health of us all took a disastrously wrong turn. We've been suffering the consequences ever since through lies and deceit and false reports, all made possible by the power of money. Rockefeller and his successors convinced the world that we needed synthetic chemicals inside our bodies instead of natural plants and herbs. It is impossible to say what better healing medicines might have been discovered if we had stayed on the path of natural healing. How do we turn back to that path? Is it possible? We can see what happened with COVID. Anyone who dared speak out against the accepted narrative was silenced. Those in the medical world who wield power had clearly looked to Rockefeller for inspiration and had followed his playbook. It worked. Fauci knew that if people could be convinced to follow this one obsessive cleansing ritual, he had a very good chance of selling all his other lies. And because modern man has a short attention span and needs constant stimulation, we were kept busy with switching the rituals, heightening the sense of terror and confusion. First, obsessively cleaning everything, then masking, lockdowns, mRNA gene therapies, and now war, bioweapons, cyber attacks, food shortages, energy outages. We are being told the most ridiculous narratives about this war in Ukraine, and everyone eagerly believes it. Well, most everyone. Sacrifice yourself for Ukraine, we are told. And people nod and say, okay. All of these most absurd stories are manufactured by the masters of lies. Salvation from death and disease comes from ritualistically performing egregious, nonsensical tasks. Of course it does. For the first seven months or so, this cleansing became an obsession. We were told that through that thorough and effective cleaning is an important step in preventing the spread of COVID-19. After all, the coronavirus can live on some surfaces for up to three days. The CDC recommended a daily cleaning of surfaces in your home that are touched often, such as tables, hardback chairs, doorknobs, light switches, phones, tablets, touchscreens, remote controls, keyboards, handles, desks, toilets, and sinks. 
As more information became available, we were told that in most cases, a product would require a wet time of up to 10 minutes after application and would not be effective if wiped away sooner. Lysol and pine sol were recommended, but only if you left it on the surface for that magical 10 minutes, and then you had to repeat it all the next day and the next. When you received food at the door, you had to wear gloves and disinfect the containers before touching them with your bare hands. Videos were made on how to disinfect your phone. People became terrified of fresh air and of each other. As a result, we saw insane extreme behaviors, like people wearing makeshift protective gear, as in the picture below, which you can see in the written essay. And then suddenly, Fauci flipped the script. After he had everyone committed to the ritual, he then said, at last using the actual word fomites, it is conceivable, but very unlikely, that you could get it through fomites, meaning inanimate objects, doorknobs, or computers. It can occur, but it is a very minor component of transmission. Wow. And what did people do? Some kept right on with their comforting cleansing rituals, but most sighed with relief and quickly moved on to the next obsession of masking. Oh, and that's gone now too. In fact, COVID is so yesterday. It's war now. I just checked my news feed, and here's a good one from msn.com. British Defense Secretary Ben Wallace describes Putin as a man in a cage he built himself. Great wording. We can all relate to that. Weren't we two in cages not that long ago? Hey, but we were good citizens. We obeyed our masters, and we were let out for the time being. If we need to go back in again, we will for the good of the planet. Evil nonconformists like Putin must stay in their prison and be punished. These narratives bombard us endlessly, day and night. <clears throat> I've been watching quite a few of Yuval Noah Harari's speeches lately. I mentioned him in my last essay as well. He is one of the most prominent storytellers employed by the masters of lies to further their agenda. Sometimes I can't believe what I am hearing come out of his mouth. How can anyone believe this drivel? Perhaps the masters are detached, detaching so much from reality that they are going too far. Perhaps they will eventually destroy themselves with their own stupidity. The problem is, we've given them so much power by now that they would no doubt destroy the rest of us in the process. I was struck by one talk of Harari's in particular called Why Humans Run the World. In it, he talks about how we are different from animals because we don't just live in the real world, but we create fictional stories. Well, I thought he might go on to talk about how the magnificent storytellers and artists of the past have created magnificent and wonderful stories and connected to profound truth, and how it is important for us to stay connected to that truth. But no, to Harari, the greatest story ever told is about money. Not the story of overcoming the lust for money, but the story of how great money is, how it gives us power, how we can manipulate it, use it for our own purposes. And I quote from his talk, Money is, in fact, the most successful story ever invented and told by humans because it is the only story everybody believes. Not everybody believes in God. Not everybody believes in human rights. Not everybody believes in nationalism. But everybody believes in money and the dollar bill. <clears throat> wow. And then, out of all the humans down their history, which one does Harari choose as an example to prove his point? 
not someone like Jim Elliot, who felt called to share Christ's teachings with the Waodani in Ecuador and was killed in 1956 by tribe members. Many nowadays would laugh at Elliot and call him a fool, an arrogant white man who got what he deserved. I mentioned Elliot because my parents knew him, and I heard his story often as I was growing up, so his story meant something to me personally. But no, Harari didn't choose Elliot as his example, or anyone like him. Who then? Who did he choose? Osama bin Laden. And I quote Harari. Take Osama bin Laden. He hated American politics and American religion and American culture, but he had no objection to American dollars. He was quite fond of them, actually. Harari goes on to say, We humans control the world because we live in a dual reality. All other animals live in an objective reality. Their reality consists of objective entities like rivers and trees and lions and elephants. We humans, we also live in an objective reality. In our world, too, there are rivers and trees and lions and elephants. But over the centuries, we have constructed on top of this objective reality a second layer of fictional reality, a reality made of fictional entities like nations, like gods, like money, like corporations. And what is amazing is that as this history unfolded, this fictional reality became more and more powerful, so that today the most powerful forces in the world are these fictional entities. Today, the very survival of rivers and trees and lions and elephants depends on the decisions and wishes of fictional entities like the United States, like Google, like the World Bank, entities that exist only in our imagination. All life forms evolved by natural selection and were restricted to the organic realm since the beginning of life on Earth. For the first time, life can break out of the organic to the inorganic. After four billion years, we can now create the first inorganic life forms. This means for the first time, life can break out from planet Earth and begin to spread throughout the galaxies. <clears throat> End of quote. Harari tells us exactly what these worshippers of money want to do. To destroy the natural world and replace it with what Rockefeller first set in motion, an inorganic, synthetic world devoid of humanity. I can tell you, whether or not you agree with Eliot's faith or think he was foolish in his actions, wouldn't you rather listen to his story of true self-sacrifice than Fauci's one about Fomites or Biden's or Johnson's or Trudeau's one about sacrificing for democracy in Ukraine? If they truly believe that the survival of our natural world depends on fictional entities like the United States, like Google, like the World Bank, and not on faith, hope, and love, all of these indefinable human characteristics that cannot be measured in a test tube or manufactured in a lab, then can then we can see them exposed for what they truly are, sad, pitiful, and extremely ignorant fools. Compare Harari's words to those that Eliot left behind. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. I know which story rings true and right for me. The end. Thanks for reading. Please comment, share, and like so I know you're there. I appreciate all of you. Thank you.